Spirit of the living God, we are so grateful that you are here, that you are dwelling in this place and in us this morning. God, we pray that you would guide us into all truth and all wisdom this morning, that our hearts might be open, our minds might be open to what you have to share with us this morning, God, that we can go outside these walls and share it with the world around us to change it with the love that you have given us, the light that you have put inside of us we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You remain standing with me now as we read these words from the book of Ephesians chapter 4. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My name is Melissa Nelms. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at Acts 2 and 1 Church, and it is my joy to get to share the message with you this morning as we continue our sermon series, Identity, looking at chapter 4, where God equips us for the ministry of the church. I invite you to take out the sermon notes. They're in your bulletin, and if God is speaking to you this morning, that you might be able to jot something down to remember and reflect on later this week. We are equipped And we can all see the importance of being equipped, especially when we're preparing for something new, maybe preparing to travel, to do something unfamiliar, something outside our comfort zone, something that has never been done before. There are certain skills, tools, resources, knowledge, colleagues, and support that we understand to be essential to our success in doing these things. This is Monster. Monster is the name of the backpack of Cheryl Strayed, who is the author of the memoir, Wild. She's played by Reese Witherspoon in the movie that maybe some of you have seen. And Cheryl decided that she was going to embark on this now infamous journey to hike the Pacific Crest Trail to help find healing and wholeness in her life after experiencing great grief in her life. But the thing about it is that Cheryl had never hiked a day in her life. She was not a hiker. In fact, the night before she left to embark on this journey, she started packing her bag and repacking and repacking Monster and having to tear open the packaging of things that she had just bought from the store and brought with her, and she didn't know what she was going to need. She didn't know what she wasn't going to need. She didn't know what the tools were she was taking with her, and she certainly didn't know how to use them yet. She was not equipped for what was to come. She was not equipped. Andy and I just celebrated our ninth wedding anniversary. This is us as we were leaving the party that evening. But right before this picture was taken nine years ago, we were preparing to leave, and we knew we were leaving on our honeymoon early the next morning. And so I turned to Andy and I said, where's the stuff? Where's the stuff for the trip? Where are our tickets? Where's the schedule? And his eyes got really big, and he said, my mom has it. 
see my mother-in-law and father-in-law had planned and paid and prepared for this amazing honeymoon for us. We were going to spend 10 days in Italy and Rome and Florence and Venice. It was the lifetime, like the trip of a lifetime. It was our dream trip. We were so excited and so were they. They were excited to gift it to us. So excited, in fact, that she didn't want us to have to worry about any of the details. Nothing. She wanted us to be able to focus on the day, focus on the ceremony and the party and enjoying those special moments. And so she kept all that information safe for us, and she planned on giving it to us later that night. And so you can imagine that I was a little more than anxious knowing we were leaving the next morning without any of that information. I'm a very prepared person. I like the details. I was not equipped for the trip. And so our first day in Rome, we looked a little bit like this. There's an excitement there, but we were confused. We were jet lagged. We had almost missed the eight-hour tour that day because we didn't know what time it started or where we were going to meet. It was just, it was a little bit disconcerting, right? Rome was a complete blur. We spent three days in Rome, and I don't remember it. I just don't, other than the pictures. And so it wasn't until about halfway through the trip when we learned how to read the Italian on the train tickets and figured out which train we were supposed to get on instead of the wrong train, we finally found this confidence. We felt equipped for the second leg of the trip, and it was so much more enjoyable there at the end because we were finally equipped. And haven't we all experienced this at some point in our life, that first year teaching or maybe as a new parent living into that promotion at work, taking a long trip to a place you've never been before, following Jesus, answering our call. We have all been equipped, but sometimes we don't know what to do with the equipment God has given us. In the passage that we just read from Ephesians 4, it says this, The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Paul is talking to Pastor Mark. He's talking to Andy. He's talking to Brandon. He's talking to me in this passage that our primary role as your pastors and teachers is to equip the saints for the ministry of the church. That's our job. And you are the saints. You are the hands and feet of Christ out in the world. It is our calling and it is my calling to help you identify those gifts and those abilities that God has uniquely given you, has uniquely given you to serve the body of Christ for the common good. And so this morning we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at what God has equipped each of us with. First and foremost, God equipped us with Scripture. He equipped us with Scripture We read that all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training. 2 Timothy says that it is so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In our tradition, scripture is primary. It's primary. It is the lens through which we interpret our experiences of the world and the people in it. It's the lens through which we... Uh, interpret our responses and inform our responses of the world to the world and the people in it. We are blessed with access to Scripture unlike many people around the world. We get to open up our Bibles and read them anywhere we want to, anytime we want to. That's a luxury that many people don't get. And in fact, in our own community, we have the opportunity to read 80% of the Bible together in community 
It's called Disciple Bible Study, and we do it every year. And if you have not yet had the opportunity, I would encourage you to do so. It's been one of the most formative experiences in my walk to follow Jesus and in my personal call story to ministry. It has helped equip me to stand here before you today to practice with you. And not only did did God equip us with Scripture, but he actually sent his own son, Jesus, as a living example of how Scripture is to be lived out. That Jesus is our gospel, the word made flesh. John 1 says it like this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. See, the people had scripture down. They knew it front and back. They were walking around with it tied to their foreheads and their forearms. They knew it cold. They just weren't sure how to live it out and what to do with it. And so God sent his own son to show us, to model it, to be a living example of a life equipped by God. So when we have questions about how to respond to a particular issue, an injustice, a hurt, a celebration, we look to Jesus in the scriptures, to his body language, his speech, his action, his inaction. When Jesus is tempted in the desert, we see him rebuke the tempter with scripture, and we are equipped When we see Jesus teaching and preaching and healing to the crowds that are surrounding him, we see him retreat to a quiet place to spend time alone with God, with his Father. And he shows us how to practice the spiritual discipline of solitude, and we are equipped. And when the storm is raging and the boat is about to be swamped and the disciples are trembling with fear, we see Jesus asleep in the boat at peace resting. And he says to us, just as you followed me into the boat, follow me into my rest. And he shows us what Sabbath looks like. And we are equipped. And then Jesus goes even to tell us how to pray. When we stumble for words and don't know what to say, he says, pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are equipped. And then he goes to the cross, even to his death. He gives up his spirit for us who cursed and denied and betrayed him. And he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, that no one has greater love than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. And we see him show us sacrificial, unconditional love, and we are equipped. Ginger Gaines Sorelli is the pastor of the Foundry United Methodist Church in Washington, D.C., and I recently read her book, Sacred Resistance, and in it she says this. She says, The most straightforward guide for Christians when it comes to questions of body language is Jesus. 
When she speaks of the body language of Jesus, she is referring to Jesus' stance, his response, his actions. When people were hungry, what did Jesus do? He fed thousands. When people were tormented and at unrest, what did he do? He gave them peace. When people were pushed out on the margins of society and forgotten and left, what did he do? But he welcomed them into the community. And when people were hurting and sick, what did he do? But he healed them. He healed them. And we are equipped. We are equipped not only with scripture, but we are also equipped with natural gifts and abilities. Both are given by God, but have very different purposes. He, was, he gave them both of us, for we are created in God's image, but they have different roles in our life. Our natural abilities, God created us with these unique personality traits, inborn traits, strengths, and skills. They're a part of us. They're part of how we function in life and with others around us. But then there's something else. There's these spiritual gifts that we talk about. These spiritual gifts are different. These charismata, as they are known in the Greek, are supernatural powers and grace that is given to us by the Holy Spirit to do good works. At our baptism, we invite the Holy Spirit into us, moving through us to do things that are outside of our power, outside of our know-how, that can only be done with that kind of power living inside of us. God equips us with his very spirit to dwell in us, to guide us, to empower us, to join him in the work of the kingdom that is already happening all around us. And this list in Ephesians that we just read about the pastors is specifically for people with gifts for pastoral care, like Andy and Mark and Brandon. But in 1 Corinthians 1, we find a more complete list, maybe a more familiar list to us. We read, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. This is by no means an exhaustive list of gifts. Rather, it is an illustrative one, an illustrative list of the variety of unique gifts apportioned to you, to each person specifically by the wisdom of God. And if you don't fit in one of these descriptions, it doesn't mean you aren't gifted. For there are a variety of gifts, the scripture tells us, that show up in a variety of ways. And in the same way that this list is not exhaustive, it is also not a hierarchy that Paul does not order these gifts by importance, for they are equally important as parts of the body of Christ. The goal is not uniformity, as we've been saying over the last several weeks. Rather, God's method employs diversity to create unity, that the goal is unity and maturity. Therefore, no one gift is the hallmark 
or telltale sign of one's being a Christian. Hear that again. No one gift is the telltale sign or hallmark of one's being a Christian. There's not one, but many, a variety. All gifts are integral to the ministry of the church, to God's redemptive work in the world, and God does not give these gifts of the Spirit so that we might boast, so that anyone can boast. It is for God's glory, for the bringing of the kingdom here on earth. Paul's twin goals for the church are maturity and unity. We read about it in Ephesians 4, verse 14. It says, We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. You're going to have to help me in the back from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is the working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. That we are to grow up. It's about maturity and unity. And after identifying these spiritual gifts that we have been equipped with, we must then begin to see ourselves as a part of the whole, that we are created for community. We are created for relationship. I saw this played out on Thursday morning as we dropped my daughter Anna off for her very first day of kindergarten. And she was so excited about her first day of kindergarten. We were getting ready at home and brushing her teeth and putting her stuff in her backpack. And all the way on the drive-in, she was talking about how great a day it was going to be. And as we were walking in, But as we walked down the hall closer and closer to the kindergarten pod, she held my hand a little tighter and she said, Mommy, I'm just so nervous. And so I held her hand a little tighter. I said, I know. It's okay to be nervous, but you're going to love kindergarten. It's going to be a great day. And so we made our way to the classroom and we found her new teacher and her teacher showed us where we put her backpack and her supplies and led us back out to the pod where all the other kindergartners were sitting. And Miss Steffo said, Anna, you can go sit with Hogan. And Anna, all the anxiety just left and her face lit up and she said, I know Hogan. I know Hogan. You see, they had been in pre-K together last year and so She had a familiar face, a companion, someone to do kindergarten with. And that's how God equips us, that God gives us people intentionally in our path to do life and ministry with, that we belong to one another, that we aren't meant to go it alone, even though our Western culture tells us differently. Susan Cain in her book, Quiet, says this. She says, our Western culture is organized around the individual. We see ourselves as self-contained units. Our destiny is to express ourselves, to follow our bliss, to be free of undue restraint, to achieve the one thing that we and we alone were brought into this world to do. See, our culture tells us it's about us. And Christ gives us community. 
So when Paul tells us that we as believers are already part of the body of Christ, that we accepted that at our, at our baptism, that we were brought into that at that moment, and that we should relate to one another in a way that is appropriate to that identity, we shake our heads a little because it's countercultural. It's different. The body of Christ is one of the best-known images Sorry, help me out back there. The body of Christ is one of the best-known images for the church. We know it well. But Paul only uses this image when there is a problem of disunity. When there's disunity. We read in Ephesians these words that as a prisoner, the prisoner in the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, that we aren't meant to serve in silos and work apart from one another in our giftedness, that it is together when we put our gifts together that the result is peace. That when we function as the body of Christ in unity with one another's gifts, that's what happens. That's what happens. That's what the kingdom looks like. That also means that as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, that if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That we belong to one another and when one part of the body is hurting, we are all hurting. And when one part of the body is lifted up, we are all lifted up. Pastor Ginger that I referenced a little bit earlier, she said this. She said, I never forget the moment years ago when the deep truth of Paul's words pierced my heart. These words that we just read from Paul. She was listening to a sermon and the pastor simply turned to everybody and said, The body of Christ has AIDS. And she said it hit her like no other, like no other time before. The body of Christ has AIDS. My body has AIDS because the bodies of others are suffering from AIDS. What affects one affects all. It brought a whole new layer of meaning for her to the verse, love your neighbor as yourself. We have been given to one another. So we hold to one another and trust that God holds on to us. There is a poem written by St. Teresa Avila, a nun and mystic in the 16th century, and she said this, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ looks compassion into the world. Yours are the feet with which Christ walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which Christ blesses the Lord. The good news in this is that we don't have to do it alone. We have been equipped with scripture, with the word made flesh. We have been equipped with natural abilities and spiritual gifts. We have been equipped with community. And maybe most importantly, we have been equipped with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, we read, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then in Romans, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. 
and then John, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. And then as Christ, the resurrected Lord, prepared to ascend into heaven, he turned to his disciples and he turns to us and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Holy Spirit gives you power. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds you. And most important, the Holy Spirit is with you always. And so our action steps this week are first to take inventory. Take inventory of how God has equipped you. Take time to read the scripture, to ask God to show you, to ask a friend to affirm it for you. Ask the Spirit to guide you to all of the gifts and abilities that God has given you, a portion to you uniquely in his wisdom. You can do this in your time alone with God, in your own personal devotional time. You can do this in a Bible study. You can do this in a small group of people. But take time to stop. Take time to stop and take inventory. And then find a way to serve. Utilize your gifts for the common good of the body of Christ. That our gifts don't do us any good if we aren't sharing them with the world. That it's about bringing the kingdom here and, and we are needed. We're part of the body. I couldn't stand up here preaching this sermon if I hadn't been practicing it. I don't like it when people do that. I like to practice what I preach or at least try to. And so over the last four years, I've been working really hard at this. Um, I was baptized as an infant. I was confirmed when I was about sixth grade, all in the Methodist church. I even went to school, to college to get a degree in religion, but it wasn't until about four years ago that I did disciple Bible study. And I read through 80% of the Bible with an amazing group of people. Some of them are here this morning. And I heard God speaking clearly to me and showing me clearly the gifts that I was equipped with, showing me a new calling on my life. And as we sat around that very last night of a of disciple, we were going through and, and identifying, this is your gift, or I see you living this out. I see you being part of the body in this way. And everybody went around, and it came to me, and I kept hearing the word apostle over and over again. And I turned to Mark, and I said, what is that? And he said, it's ordained ministry. And I underlined in my book, no, it is not. <laughs> but I spent some time with that, and I wrestled with that, and I spent more time studying. I then, right after that, did a study with some of my mops friends. My mother's a preschooler's friends, and we were doing Jenny Allen's Bible study, Restless, and she was talking about the threads of life, those gifts that God gives us, and how he uses those to bring our stories together, to build one another up, and it was there again. And then the youth director position was open at that time, and so I asked God, is that, is that what you're calling me to? Is that what's next? Is that what these gifts are for? 
And the answer was yes. And so I stepped into that and started leading our youth ministry and leading confirmation and helping people come into membership and to learn what their baptism means, to profess it for themselves. And I had the opportunity then just this year to be your director of discipleship, to help you identify the gifts that God has given you, to help you connect with one another in community, to discern these things and practice these things together. And I get so excited about it. Because I'm in the same process myself, discerning where God is leading me into ordained ministry as a pastor. And so I'm practicing with you. And my hope and my prayer is that you will do the same. That you will ask God to show you what he's already given you. That he's already given you everything you need. You just have to ask him to show you and begin to live into it. So that is my hope and my prayer this morning. Will you pray with me? God of all things, all good things, thank you so much for gifting us. Thank you for giving us everything we need, both inborn and of the power of your Holy Spirit, to go out and do the things you did, to say the things you said, to live into the call that you have placed on our lives. God, we thank you for the community of people that you have surrounded us with to do it together for those people that you have placed intentionally in our lives to affirm and lift up and hold accountable. God, I pray that we might continue to be open, that we would continue to be open to your spirit dwelling in us, guiding and empowering us, showing us when to use this gift or that gift or live into this or that, that it would all be in your time and in your power and to your glory so that your kingdom might come here and that when our words fail we are so grateful that you gave us words to pray as we say our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.